Communities are often start small, but it's the ripple effect that comes with it. So I know that my community and the brands that I work with, where we have real intentional and thought out community strategies that create such a ripple effect. That's Daisy Morris. She runs her own social media agency called Selfhood out of London. But I brought her onto the podcast because she is a master of building communities. Like the first thing that she says in this episode is that there's a difference between a community and an audience, which is gold. I'm currently dipping my toe into the process, the podcast community, and you'll hear about how I found Daisy online. This episode also means a lot to me because I really think that Daisy and I are in a very similar place in our business journeys too, and we chat a lot about the ins and outs of running your own business with a few mutual nuances or challenges that come with that. She gives us so much value in this episode about working in socials, building your brand online, and specifically how to build a community. I think that you guys are going to absolutely love her. It was amazing to speak to her, and now I've got a new friend in London. So let's dive in. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land which this podcast was recorded on, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and extend my respects to elders both past and present. Welcome to Process the Podcast. I'm Arielle Thomas, motion director and social strategist. I can't wait to bring you into the world of some of my guests, Australia and the world's creme de la creme of the creative industries as we unpack their unique creative process. So, Daisy. (laughs) Um, So, we've not met. I love giving listeners the context of that, but I feel like we'd get along very well in real life. Oh, yeah. Based on the 10-minute chat we've just had about absolute confidence <laughs> before, like, we would be friends if we met. 100%. I need to tell you how I found you. Our email thread of will you be on my podcast has literally been from yours or my Squarespace form, like, submission, like, inquiry yeah. from a website, which I think is the funniest way that two independent business women can talk to each other ever because we just keep replying to the same fucking thread. I Googled <laughs> on Amazon books about how to build a community. Serious. Your book came up in pre-order. <gasps> it hasn't even been announced to the public yet, so that's hilarious that it's there. And I was like, well, chances are this girl that builds online communities, it was like August or something that had a date of something about something was coming in August, like more information. Yeah. And then I was like, well, maybe I could get in her press junket. And then I went on your website and was just like, I'm going to try. And then you were like, what's up? And I was like, what's up? Now we're here. (laughs) That's so clever. Also, I love that. I love that it was on Amazon. Yeah, I haven't even, I'm announcing it next week. So perfect timing. I haven't told, well, I think some people know it's kind of obvious, but I haven't actually told people like, oh, I've written this book. So this is perfect timing. I think that you are going to have the most fucking brilliant time because I literally typed in the dumbest thing, how to build a community online to see who was writing about this. And then if they had any podcasts or anything else, you were like top, 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 number one. You were all that there was except for like with those weird books that are like 30 pages and like almost like a medical journal, but someone weird's written it that, and no one knows what that is. So you're in for a good ride. <laughs> Do you know what though? It's not like a new, it's a new-ish topic in marketing. Like everyone wants a community now. Everyone, brands are using the word community and it's like, chill, you don't have a community, you have an audience. And I think that's something I'm really passionate about is educating people on what community actually is. So I think it's like someone was saying, you know, culture was the word of the last 10 years and community will be the word of the next 10 because 
people just know that's that is what you need you need a community not an audience so I'm so excited to be talking about it and writing about it and amazing to know that yeah it's top of Amazon I'm very happy with that and it's not even out yet how good (laughs) this is generating leads without you even realizing that it's generating leads amazing that's great so talk to me about selfhood what is selfhood so selfhood is my business that I started four years ago. So I studied fashion at uni, worked in-house at agencies, worked with fashion brands and e-commerce. And throughout my career, I'd worked with lots of different agencies, so social media and digital agencies. And what I found was that there was just so much jargon and mm. so many acronyms and so much basically just like bullshit to bamboozle people. And I would often be sat in meetings and I'm the kind of person, like, if I don't understand something, I'll just say, like, can you explain that or what does that mean? And there were people in my team who I knew were also, like, just didn't understand it, but felt too embarrassed to just say. So I identified really that there was a gap in the market to create a space where people could learn, but in a really human way that didn't feel overwhelming. Mm. I'm also really not naive to the fact that social media in general, like I love it so much and I advocate for it all the time because I think as well as it being an outlet to express yourself, find news and discovery, I think it's such a great place to build connections. But I'm also not naive to the fact that it does have a dark side and that Mm. especially when you're just starting your journey, it can feel really overwhelming and all these triggers come up and you start to doubt yourself and you fear judgment. So I also acknowledge that a lot throughout my work because we can't ignore it. It's a thing and it happens. But my business mission is to make URL feel as human as IRL. So I want people to come online and build these connections and feel good about themselves and enjoy sharing their passions as well. Like and put the fun back and put the social back in social media But the way that we work as a business is we have the self and the hood. So the self is the brand that we work with, the people we work with, helping them discover who they are, how they work, what makes them unique, what makes them sparkle online. And then the hood is their neighborhood. So that's the people that we're trying to connect with. And then the word selfhood actually translates to the quality that constitutes one's individuality and the state of having a unique identity. So everything we do is bespoke. It's all about finding what makes you different and then putting that out there for your community. So we work with fashion brands and lifestyle brands, but then I also lecture at unis. I do a bit of public speaking, training, events Mm -hmm. and workshops. So it's a real mixed bag, but in a nutshell, it was born out of mainly a frustration because all of the advice that I was finding and the people I'd worked with, it was all very kind of tech bro jargon. And I was like, this could be way, way way more interesting and way more human and so yeah that's how it was birthed that's how it was born and I absolutely love it. How did you come about with growing your team like when did the growth start to happen that you were like oh wait I actually need are you have you got contractors or you've got have you got a team on the payroll? No haven't got a team on the payroll they are all freelance and to be honest like I like it that way people are always like Mm. oh what's your plan are you gonna gonna?" and I'm like no there's no rush for me right now and Sometimes I'm like, oh, that makes me sound like an amateur. And I think it's really difficult when, and I've learned to overcome this, but when you live in an always on world that people are constantly raising investment and scaling businesses Mm. and you're kind of told that you should be doing. But I'm really honest about where I'm at. I love where I'm at, taking it day by day. I'm definitely not ready to grow it more than we are. The 
the freelancers that I work with are amazing, um, super self-sufficient. We have lots of check-ins, but I don't want a team. Like I, I love being creative. I love, yeah, working on different separate strands to the business. And I feel like if I had a team that I had to really commit to, you, you just have to invest your time into that. And it's not that I don't want to, it's just that I love, I love the creative stuff as well. And I don't want to lose that. It's honestly not spoken about enough. Like I have a great friend, Emma Rose Hills, who has the social media coach and she used to be uh, like NRL and like the rugby and the iconic, which is like one of Australia's biggest online retailers for fashion. Mm. She's a jet and she's really openly capped herself at her business model. She's just got freelancers there. They work like clockwork. She's nailed that down and that is enough. Mm. And I had a coffee with her and she's like, they can get their money. That's their thing. Like, I don't, I don't want to be responsible for other people. I've got a hard enough time. Yeah. Like, and we do like, yeah. I, and I, it's so interesting how many women and businesses that are doing really well. And even businesses that have been around for 20 years, like they function off of great contractor relationships and not having anyone on the payroll yeah. is so normal, but we're so exposed to like, yeah. what's your payroll count? How, how big is your team? Da, 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 that there's like this pressure to assume that you have to lock these people down, keep them happy, go and learn about fucking sick yeah. leave. I don't want to do that. <laughs> it's yeah, so intense. I I'm loving freelancer life is the best. Yeah, I think so too. And also like I learned, like I've things grew quite quickly for me in the pandemic and um, mm. prior to the pandemic I lost all of my business because I was away traveling and then the week I got back the UK went into lockdown everything got put on pause I had no presence online so I had to market myself through Instagram and LinkedIn but in that process I made myself so unwell like to the point my hair was falling out I had to go to hospital because I was having like weird heart tremors and stuff wow. so since then I've been like I want a nice life outside of my business and I don't want my yeah. whole business to become my identity because it did for a little while and in the process I made myself really unwell and don't get me wrong I think we all have to work hard at the beginning like it's a privilege to now be able to say I have a good work-life balance and I, I I think like everyone goes through burnout at some point and I know it's mm. been glamorized as a word and a concept a bit but I think also like I think it's amazing that people are scaling and have these incredible businesses and they're making millions. Like if that's what they want, absolutely zero shade. Like everyone wants different things. But for me, like my goals aren't revenue related. It's a feeling like, am I creative? Mm. Am I in my purpose? Am I enjoying what I'm working on? Am I around good people? That's what I aspire to. It's not like, oh, I want to turn over X by the end of the year. It's like, am I mm. having a good time in the process? Cool. And obviously, like there's goals that come with it and revenue that comes like revenue goals. And you need I need a certain amount in the bank to <laughs> pay my yeah. freelancers and um, have a nice life. But yeah, I think like for me, I'm like, as long as I'm enjoying it and being creative and living the selfhood ethos, then I'm good, to be honest. But how about you? Like what what's what makes you feel happiest in your business? Is it like the goals that you set or is it more like it used to be that I loved solving people's problems like uh for example I work in like big big enterprise businesses and I help them a lot with their video problems I love helping those enterprises solve their like flows and work out how to get them the most out of their most bang for their buck and I love that problem solving element but I also now mm. can see that a lot of my work that has more purpose 
I have the power to make people feel less alone. You know how when like you're younger and you always remember movies that like stuck with you because they basically did, they made you feel less alone. You were going through something and or like you saw a movie for the first time or you read a book or whatever and you were like, oh, wait, like that stuck with me because it is the first time that you see yourself in someone else and you don't, you're like, oh, wow, that person's going through stuff. You can kind of relate to that. That's like the power of theatre. That's why people go into a dark room and watch something for two hours. Essentially, you either want to be entertained or you need company and you need to identify company at a much more like molecular level. So that's kind of the entertainment industry piece. But now with Australian clients and getting into like the charity space and doing like, for example, a breast cancer documentary, it fucking means something because one of these women's terminal and she's probably got about 18 months and I'm working on this piece. She's got six kids under nine years old and we had a really honest conversation yesterday and I was like, how do you want Cooper, who's seven months, to remember you? Like, because that's my job now. Like, of course, I can I can formulate this to make her story really heard and powerful and dramatic with music and I can do the pauses in all the right places and her story is sad enough as it is but I also know that this mp4 file will live on Cooper's computer all through his adulthood whenever he wants to see his mum laugh and that's on me yeah like that's on me to help with I've been given the privilege to do this incredible project and when I miss my dog I look at pictures of him so imagine what a little baby was going to do when they miss their mum that they never had the privilege of like growing up with. So for me, it's, I've always been like a hungry little, like I love numbers and I would love to be able to be like pew, pew, like business. But I think I would personally just be unhappy if I chase that too hard. I do definitely have a side to me that's like, yeah, like loves the nitty gritty of feeling like I'm on top of myself. Financial stability has become, yeah, I think financial stability and learning how to do that for myself in abundance has been a massive thing in the past year. But I think just stability in every piece is the most important thing. Like my reputation is stable. My client relationships are stable. My, just that the, the phone will keep ringing is stable. I think that and being really proud of ourselves that that happens because it's a fucking marvel when you think about it. Like you're just a gal with some skills and then all of a sudden all these people want your service and you're like, okay. (laughs) And we have to take time to recognise it because when you do work independently and you haven't got someone above you saying like, oh, well done, that was really great or you, you navigated that really well, by the way, or congratulations, you rely on yourself for that and sometimes the moments go by and you're like oh I didn't I'm basking that and I should have really mm. and then the next thing comes along and it's like oh on to the next project on to the next thing so I think yeah I love that you just said that because I was like yeah we are in demand <laughs> and we, did that. we did that we did that <laughs> it's so important I don't have a lot of girlfriends that run businesses themselves uh it's hard for me to go out to dinner with my girlfriends and be like this happened to me today without feeling like I'm like boasting or that kind of thing so I've got a couple of like friends in my kind of like business friends or friends that are a little bit older than me that are like yes like you did get that wow but otherwise I'm pretty reserved because I don't want to I don't know I, I started working with big Australian clients like big fashion names when I started like when I was like 25 and I always felt like it was received a little bit like I was oh Ariel's working with them like 
isn't she? Doesn't she think she's so cool? And of course I never meant it like that. But when you are doing fashion film and you're putting on your Instagram that you've directed a film for a brand Mm -hmm. that everybody loves, it can kind of come across a little bit like arrogant, I guess, when it's essentially it's just Australia's tall poppy syndrome. But it was hard to be celebrated in the first place. So I guess I'm a little bit reserved. It's really difficult, isn't it? Like my friend Steph runs a platform called Fuck Being Humble and it's all about celebrating your own achievements. (laughs) honestly go check it out it's amazing and she talked so much about embracing your achievements because especially when you work independently you have to self-promote all the time like her strap line is like self-promotion is now realize that anybody who do has an issue with you promoting things that you're proud of is usually like triggered by that for one one reason or another so it's actually like not your responsibility to accommodate that but it's I get what you mean like sometimes I'm like I'll get to the pub on a Friday and I'm like I really want to share this cool thing that's just happened but also like no one will ever care as much as you do which is fine and I think it's a huge expectation to expect anyone to care about your business as much as you but equally I think that's why it's important to have like accountability partners and friends who you can share your wins with Mm. as well like even just like even if they're like internet friends like we're both freelance like I want you to send everything great that happens to you just find somebody I did that in the early days and it's been such a game changer like Steph who I just mentioned and another friend we haven't done it for ages but we used to have this thing called wins before dins and every Friday before dinner oh my god I love that yeah yeah that was Steph's idea and she was like right we need to celebrate our achievements more let's send in and sometimes it was like oh I went for a walk twice this week and managed to put my washing on like they don't have to be these huge wins they can be like anything that you've been putting off or like I sent that really like tricky email that I've been delaying or like you know anything like and I think it's important that we track the micro wins as well because Mm. they are the things that get us to the big you know the big things that we want to achieve so yeah but it's hard I I definitely agree with you like celebrating your own achievements and finding people to do that with it can feel quite yeah difficult sometimes Mm, it's tricky it's interesting in creative industries how people handle that as well because they are so shy to share online sometimes and talk about yourself Mm. over and over and over again because essentially you are like generating leads you're putting yourself out there and we're Mm. trying to grow our platforms but I guess that kind of brings us into what your book is about which from me typing into Amazon and finding it I would presume it's about building a community So first of all, let's talk about how it came about that you've written a book. So I was sat at my kitchen table one December afternoon and I got this random DM from this lady called Holly saying, hey, Daisy, like, hope you're good. been following you for a while. I wondered if you'd ever been interested in writing a book or like I'm the editor from Yellow Kite. I wonder if you've ever been interested in writing a book. I screenshotted it and I actually sent it to my friends who I just mentioned, the Wins Before Dins gals. And I was like, lol, I think this is spam. And they're like, oh my God, obviously reply. And I was really skeptical at first. I remember saying like, I know it'll be great for like business clout and it will like be good for my career, but I don't know if I've got it in me to write a book. Like I remember mm. my English teacher saying to me like, oh, you'll be lucky to pass your GCSEs. And I, <laughs> it's funny, like they say, 
honestly oh, like and it's people God. always say like small comments will stay with you and that really stuck with me like I'm not a great writer it's I often so get I know and I often get dm from people like lol there's a typo in your post and I'm like I just I'm just not great at writing but I have mm. so much to say and I, I kind of got over that initial like uh, I think initially I was like oh it's going to take me ages I don't know if I can do it and that was like a defense mechanism because secretly I was really scared that I would be completely like torn apart and also I hate the idea of putting anything out that doesn't add lots of value but anyway I kind of got over it and was like no I have to do it it's such a good opportunity and also like I really do want to help people build meaningful and purposeful communities and understand the intricacies that come with it because it's it's really difficult it's not easy to do and it's not an overnight thing and I think we're fed as a society the concept of overnight success and I want people to understand the graft that goes into it and the science behind it so yeah we had some calls me and the editor and we worked on a proposal she took it to her team it all got signed off internally and then they were just kind of like off you go and I thought like I'd be on zoom calls with other writers like or people yeah. in house that would help me write it but I had to write the whole thing myself were you like how um, to write a book <laughs> <laughs> no not even like I just I had agreed all the chapters with them beforehand and okay then, so you had structure uh, it wasn't like they just fucking send you off being like cool 300 pages oh, see no, you soon no, no. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay. I only had six months to write it and I went through a breakup around the same time, moved out, like had loads of work on as well. So it was, it was actually quite tricky to balance if I'm being completely honest, just because there was a lot happening, but it was kind of my safe space and my escape from Mm. everything else. And I just, I loved it so much, despite the fact I've never experienced imposter syndrome like it. And I know everyone uses that word, but oh my gosh, like it was quite a humbling experience. And I like being out of my comfort zone. I think it's so important, but it was hard. Like, I'm not going to lie. It was hard. And I started to think like, oh my gosh, what if I get ripped to shreds? What if I get criticized? But then I just kept thinking, if I can help someone, if I can help, you know, a group of people or anyone just to think differently about how they approach community building and connection in the online space and that's my job done but yeah I loved writing it I absolutely loved writing it and it's it's like eight years of experience packed up into one and I think the ethos of selfhood which is like cut the jargon cut the shit like let's be honest transparent and real like I really tried to embody that throughout the book so yeah it's a 10-step guide and it covers everything from finding who you are and your uniqueness through to a community management strategy through to creating a community journey through to collaborating online there's studies and there's also a worksheet that comes with it so people can work on their strategy while they write the book so yeah it's 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 taken a lot of time and energy but I'm really proud of it for someone who thought and really struggled with the concept of putting their writing out there um, yeah, I'm very proud of how it's ended and I, I just really hope that it can help some people, which I think it will. I, I hope it will. <laughs> I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Like, thank you. that's just such a... Have you held it in your hands yet? Have you had a copy? No, it goes to print today. 
Oh my god! I know. I got the final proof today. The cover was agreed a few weeks ago, but it literally goes to the printers today, and it's released in like two months. So I haven't actually got a physical copy yet. It still, it still doesn't feel real. I don't think until it's in my hands, I'll be like, ah, shit, this is my book. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's weird. It's a strange. I'm concept. so excited! Wow, you're so cute. Thanks. That's so nice. I obviously wanted to read how to build a community online. It's <laughs> obviously why we're here because I yeah. was one of my biggest tasks is building a community for this podcast because it's a podcast about creativity and how we bridge the gap between creativity and commerce and how that works. Mm. Like I had a really interesting conversation. I'm going to do like a solo episode kind of announcing this if it goes ahead, but I had a meeting with a production company that want to represent me as a director so that means kind of like my own production company would handle it's really exciting like I would handle my own that's major by the way yeah like it's and it separates me out from my own production company probably would take on all jobs under like 80k I would just handle and run myself and direct which I have been doing for six seven years now and then everything above that in like tvc land music videos all that would be them and they would run and it kind of gives me an opportunity to work and play in the television space a lot more than just the content space so this guy was like okay I'm not gonna obviously name him because it's not official yet but he looked through since 2015 all my work and we got on the call and he was like how blunt do you want me to be and I was like yes of course be as blunt as we need to be we're here to do business I want to hear from you because he's the expert Mm. and he was like your best work is in 2016 and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Initially, but then I was like, it took me about 30 seconds to respond. And I was like, well, no shit. Because that was the time when I was creating work for me to reverse engineer and show other businesses what I could do. It was the first time I really stepped into film and was creating what I wanted to create rather than getting a brief from a client. We have to hit this, this, this. We have to sell X, Y, Z. And I have to manipulate all of these ideas, yeah, for them. And I have to yeah. have to fit it into the mold that they need me to be. And, of course, it's fucking commerce. So it obviously isn't that great. So my creative work is much better. But this whole platform and community, I think process gets about 2,200 average listeners per episode. So there's 2,000 creative people and we're all going through what I feel is kind of a similar thing, just like really curious, really creative, but it's not as obvious as like a finance podcast having a little like, hey guys, hit the link below to our budget and you can like, and budget with us. Like it's not as obvious as that shit, you know, it's not like a travel podcast where it's like, hey guys, sign up and we'll give you a free travel guide. It's like creativity is so unique and so yeah personal so I think I'm searching for that but then I stumbled upon you and I was like this would be a ripper because even a ceramicist is gonna feel like they need to create a community or a fashion street style photographer wants to start a community because it is such a buzzword so how without giving all the contents of the book away what is the meaty parts of this pickle that we face I love that, the meaty part of the pickle. Um, also, I love Can you tell you... I'm hungry? <laughs> Same, always. I also love pickles. I'm such an elite snack. 
I love what you said about creativity and actually the book has a whole chapter at the end called how to get your creative juices flowing and it is about how to get inspired not just through social media but actually the majority is how to get inspired off your screen in order to create because Mm. I think what can easily happen is we end up subconsciously consuming so much content looking at our competitors looking at what everyone else is doing and creating the same content just regurgitated in different branding and in a different way and that is the worst way to grow a community like Mm. when we look at the brands and the creators who thrive they have such a uniqueness about them whether that's their tone of voice the content itself how it looks just who they are like personality reigns when it comes to standing out online and building a loyal and engaged community so yeah creativity is a massive part of the book as well it's not just here's some tricks and tips to beat algorithms Mm. it's like who are you as a person and how can you bring that to life and tell your story in a way that feels aligned with you and your business so yeah the book in terms of building a community like something I'm, I'm really keen to raise awareness around is the difference between an audience and a community and I, mm-hmm. I spoke about this briefly at the beginning but like people aren't aware of this so I would consider an audience to be a group of people who follow you engage with you have got have dialogue with you but a community is a group of people who do all of that but they talk to each other and they advocate mm. for you like they go to the pub with their friends on a Friday and they talk about you they go meet their in-laws and rave about your products like they are diehard committed to you which in a very saturated landscape is a rarity these days and there's so many reasons as to why this is important so with the advancement of tech and the way that the platforms are going people like web 3.0 for example and the difficulty surrounding advertising due to privacy laws it's going to become harder and harder and harder to reach people and to grow and also like with AI in the mix there's going to be so Mm. much content over the next few years so having a group of people that you can really nurture and foster and retain and create intimate spaces for I think is the future like people talk about community like oh yeah my community and I'm like if you're not prioritizing it as a business like you really really need to because social media is always changing it's going to change even more the way that we're able to market is going to change and there will be more and more restrictions and also more competition. So the book is really about how to create meaningful connections and how to have purposeful conversation, which is what, when you look at the statistics and the data, people crave that now more than ever. So we talk about how to find your brand values, your community values, and how to bring them to life in a way that feels aligned and authentic how to create a community journey. So I have this different personas. Um, Lingering Lindas is phase one, where people are just like (laughs) lingering around on social media. (laughs) They've maybe seen your content shared, but they haven't followed you yet or they haven't subscribed or listened to your podcast, but they're there. And then you take them through this journey, like there's different personas through each phases and eventually you get them to diehard Dennis's who are like, absolutely obsessed with you the first to sign up when you do a new product launch mm-hmm. they're part of your Slack groups whatsapp groups email list they tell all their mates about you like they're obsessed with you and mm-hmm. i talk the readers through the journey and how to migrate them through that journey from linda's to dennis's but it, it's also it's like it's not just a social media book so my background is extremely varied from a 360 marketing point of view i've worked on events brand partnerships email marketing Um, I also do paid ads 
I've done in like in-person marketing I'm um, sorry out of home marketing like lots and lots of different things so as we go as we go through the book it's not just about how to create create great content it's mm. looking at a journey that you take people on and it considers all touch points so that you've got this real 360 approach so that when someone's landing on your website or signing up to your email like everything is holistic and makes sense but at the heart of it it's about creating this sense of belonging so I think the book is really for people who want to create who genuinely want to create a community it's not about let's get hundreds of thousands of followers obviously yeah. growth is in the mix and there's you know there's elements that talk about how to grow your community because everyone's got a business to run right like we metrics and numbers are part of that process but it's more so like how can we create something long lasting with longevity that is sustainable and allows people to connect to something beyond just a piece of content because as I said I think it's so hard to create advocates these days because mm. people you know they google you go to your competitor if it's cheaper and that's why focusing on your brand and creating a space that people can really feel at home in and meet like-minded people and you know I always say like TikTok the real part is the comment section when people are chatting yeah. and like the first thing I do <laughs> when I see a funny video it's like I want to see what other people are saying about this and get involved in that way and like I posted YouTubers. something on TikTok for one of the biggest I work for so all the listeners know this I run Kmart's TikTok Kmart is essentially Australia's ah, biggest retailer so yeah, I know who they are that's Amazing. they're huge it's like an eight billion dollar business it's fucked so we were trying to figure out a way yesterday to address the fact that 800,000 people yesterday in Australia tried to get or sorry, on Wednesday, tried to get Taylor Swift tickets and they sold out within like seconds. And yeah, it surprised. was, it blew up the Australian algorithms because everything was about being on, on like waiting at your computer, 2 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time for tickets. And so many yeah. people missed out. So we have a lot of stadiums in Australia that have like really grassy areas around them. We've got one in particular called the MCG, which is our biggest cricket ground and all the AFL, our football stuff is there. So you know that there's going to be people having like picnics and drinks and stuff outside the G because she'll leave the roof open. She always does. And you'll hear it. You won't be there, yeah. but you'll hear the thing. So I like really quickly made like an e-commerce roundup of everything you need to for like girls night sitting on the grass at outside the Taylor Swift Stadium because uh, you missed out on tickets today and every yeah. comment was like whoever runs the TikTok needs a raise like let's go yeah but it's reactive content isn't it and that's yeah. the thing like that is a prime example of creating with your community in mind it's like we know yeah. that there's going to be people that have missed out we know that there's going to be people that really wanted those tickets how can we find a solution that is relatable and funny and also invites people to participate so that's like a prime example of like really good community content and I think people so often create thinking oh this will perform well and it's like mm. what's the incentive for someone watching it like what's how are you encouraging that participation and that conversation and making people feel seen and heard and special which is it's hard for brands but I mean that piece of content is a prime example of nailing it but yeah in a nutshell the book is it's a 10-step guide it's really easy to follow it's written how I talk it's super conversational and friendly and fun I share some fails and experiences from my own journey there's tips and tricks peppered throughout and like I said there's worksheets alongside it so that people can 
build their own strategy as they work through the book. There's also mm-hmm. an audio version. Um, if you want to hear my croaky British an accent. Audio. <laughs> what, did you feel mm-hmm. like you were famous in a studio with a podcast thing, doing the whole read? I've got to do it in a few weeks. So oh, you haven't done I'm it going yet? To a festival. No, I'm going to a <laughs> festival the week before. So I'm like, I'm on very best behavior because I cannot be recording an audio my voice is already really croaky but yeah there's an audio version too so if you want to make your commute and you don't like reading yeah but yeah that's it in a nutshell it's it's all about how to grow something meaningful in 2023 and beyond and also just future-proofing your business because like I said it's gonna Mm. get harder and that's not to scare people or like anything like that Mm. it's just more so like I really want people to think about how can I create something that is long-lasting and meaningful and adds Mm. value and yeah so it's all of that packaged into one can you give us some examples just sort of like a little a little sneak peek into something that people that like the questions that you ask people when you're trying to take them from a lingering Linda to a what was Dennis a diehard Dennis a diehard Dennis yeah Yeah, it's about how you actually treat them along that journey and how you incentivize them to become an advocate for you and I think so often we just expect people to make the sale and we expect people to buy so let's say like lingerers lindas they maybe stumble across you on youtube and then they come across you on instagram it's then your responsibility to migrate them into a space where they get more from you as a brand or a creator so let's say that you give them they sign up to your email and that's like a step down in the journey to get them to a dentist what happens when they sign up to a mailing list? What segment do they fall into and what are you giving them? And I don't just mean freebies here. Like this isn't, I'll sign up for 10%. It's like, so I do this with my business. I have like, I know who my core community is and I often invite them onto focus groups where I can ask them specific questions. But in return for that, they get access to me and my time where they can ask me anything about their business. So essentially free consultancy. And then they get first access to my events in London. If I'm doing an event, they get discounts on tickets or they're the first people to buy. And I think we have to really consider that communities are often start small, but it's the ripple effect that comes with it. So I know that my community and the brands that I work with, where we have real intentional and thought out community strategies that creates such a ripple effect. So like I work Mm. with lots of fashion brands and we work on events specifically for the community where they can meet and connect and talk and they end up sharing to their stories. It ends up bringing in new lingerers that then filter down into Dennis's over time. So it's really about how you treat them beyond just a follower or a subscriber or a customer and how you make them feel something and also how they can connect with your brand. And I think a lot of that comes down to really defining what your shared values are as a business Mm-hmm. versus your community and how you can actually give them content that is going to help their life as well mm. so like as a fashion brand beyond just selling your products like what do your community care about and how can you serve them content that is actually going to help them feel good about themselves and is actually going to help them with their career or with their confidence and not just blasting that out to everybody but creating 
I hate the word funnel because it feels so sterile to me, but and in the book I refer to it as a community journey, but really breaking down what that community journey looks like. And every business will be different. Like mm-hmm. some banking apps, for example, have rewards and they have a really solid reward scheme in place whereby they give their community depending on how much you use the app or whatever. But again, that's more of a business thing. That's not a community mm. thing. And also something I'm really passionate about at the moment is intimate spaces beyond social Mm. media so whether it's whatsapp groups slack channels podcasts specifically for your diehard dennises Mm -hmm. that speak directly for the to them but also inviting them to be part of the process so like i work with some brands at the moment who will invite their core community to participate in the design process of their products and then when that product comes to life it's like oh my gosh, I had a say in that collection or I had a say yeah. in that product. So yeah, it, it drills down into more specific examples. And like I said, every business will be different. But I think it's about, for me, when it when we look at community, it's an adding value has become also another buzzword, but that's it. You have to give above and yeah. beyond your product or your service and create an experience for people to participate in as well. Yeah, absolutely. Who are some brands that you've seen that have done it very well or individuals even? Building communities. Yeah, taken lingering Lindas to diehard Dennis's. I think one brand that always stands out for me is Ganny, the fashion brand. Yes. They just absolutely nail it with their community strategy. Like they have so many advocates and I think what's great about them is that lots of brands have like one aesthetic but the Ganny girl is so diverse in their lifestyle and the way that they look but they create with their customer in mind so you could wear their clothes on your cycle commute but then you could also wear it to drinks afterwards but they do Mm. so much stuff in person as well which I love which is I think where they really create their community so they sponsor a lot of female founded events Mm. business specific where entrepreneurs will come together and connect over dinner and meet like-minded people and then that naturally and organically gets shared on social media and I think Mm. that's something that I like to see from brands and when you when you look at the hashtag Ganny girls like there's so much content that surrounds that um another brand that I love is a brand called chewy and this is a slightly different example but they're a pet food brand and i'll never forget seeing this and this is more like under the radar community stuff they a tweet went viral and this woman had lost lost their their dog and they she emailed them like i have all this dog food and i don't have a dog anymore and they sent the nicest email back just like hey, we're so sorry to hear this. Um, Please feel free to donate it to a shelter and obviously we'll refund you. And for me, like she ended up sharing the tweet and I'm just like that, no, she did, they didn't know that she was going to share that. That's just like mm. pure care for people. Pure, like that's having really, really strong brand values that are at the mm. heart of your ethos and at the heart of your business. And I think that's also where like communities are born because a lot of fast fashion brands, like I've seen and heard of experiences where people like don't get refunds and they don't get responses from the customer care team. And although that's not necessarily hugely community focused, it kind of is because people advocate for brands Mm. who live their values and take care of them and look after them. So I think it's also when it comes to community building, it's the brands who 
fully fully live their values like Patagonia is another example like Mm. they're just a brand who are so committed to what they do and as a result people want to be part of their community they want to connect with them they want to talk to like-minded people who Mm. also um, share their values and then another more kind of (laughs) really niche one actually is there's an Instagram account called um, Housewives of Lower Clapton or Housewives Mm -hmm. of Clapton And Clapton is a really small area in Hackney, which is where I live. And they've got like 60k followers, but the engagement rate is through (laughs) the roof. Everyone comments. And they basically just mock all of the stereotypical things about living in East London. But it's so niche and it's so unbelievably like spot on. They basically just rip to shreds like the stereotypes of East London. But they've built such an engaged community because they've gone super niche with it. They know the audience inside out. They know what's funny. They know what's not funny. So I think when you think about that with your own strategy, like it's absolutely fine to go hyper niche and also like, don't be afraid to be a bit out there and be a bit controversial and speak your mind and speak how you're feeling because we're all human at the end of the day. Like we're drawn Mm. to that funny content and we're drawn to creators and brands who are a bit disruptive and like even like this is the stereotypical example but Duolingo for example like I know everybody references them but the reason they've done so well on such a mass scale is because they they were different as a brand and they were disruptive Mm. and like it's all a bit done now and brands have kind of followed that strategy but just from like a Housewives of Clapton example through to Duolingo it's essentially that on a wider scale they've just been themselves they've not been too scared to be different they've not been too scared to break the mold so I think like experiment with your content Mista is another example M-I-I-S-T-A fashion brand but they constantly share sneak peeks of their collections and their drawings their team their concept stores like they're so good at keeping you in the loop so I think ultimately it's about creating that journey and that content that not everyone gets access to but also being super transparent and clear on your values in a way that isn't performative yeah so interesting I can get the sense that you know how we were at the start of this conversation we referenced how overwhelming social media can be to start I think that focusing on your own business in your own lane not looking at all of your other competitors Mm -hmm. and just really focusing on yourself and what you bring to this table and what your strengths are. Sometimes I do TikTok strategy for people and like I write out the, the TikTok strategy that I basically give them and there's a podcast episode about it is like go on TikTok or Reels or whatever and write down or identify a couple things that you're comfortable with doing now and just start to do them now but the ones that you're comfortable with doing now not like the get ready with me video because I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna look like a fucking Charlotte Tilbury model I suck at doing my makeup so why why write my strategy to be so advanced because then I know I'm gonna do it I'm gonna try to do it think I look ugly because I want to look like one of those flawless models that is so airbrushed and has a makeup artistry skills is not an everyday entrepreneur like me who barely wears any makeup in the first place. And I'm setting myself up to bully myself because I'm like, 
then I'm just going to think I'm not good enough because actually I set like a really unattainable goal. So I'm all about when I'm kind of working with young entrepreneurs or business owners and people getting into the digital space, I sort of really important, I think, is to identify what, to piggyback off what you're saying is like, look at what you literally can do now and dream, of course, and be like, yeah, cool, in a couple of years, but don't write a strategy that is actually unreasonable for you to fulfill on a day-to-day level, because then you'll just burn out yeah, and be angry and, just- and you'll feel like a failure. It's so true. And I also think, like I always say, social media is still an energy exchange so like when you walk into a party and someone's energy's off and you feel it like you can feel that on social too like if someone's creating content to tick a box versus because they really want to and mm. I think like again when we do look at the brands and the creators who are doing really well at the moment they are just creating content that they actually love and feel mm. so genuinely aligned to their brand and their purpose and that in turn generates and you get a sense of integrity from them which is what we all want like Mm. people aren't stupid anymore well anymore people aren't stupid period um Mm. we're exposed to up to ten thousand ads a day people are so much more wise to when they're being so fucked up (laughs) i know ten thousand yeah and like I I read another report the other day that said 90% of people no longer trust influencers. And I think like it comes back to that thing of like, if we're constantly selling, like Mm. you're just going to have people stuck in your audience. And that's the difference for me, like between an audience and a community is like, you're not just constantly trying to shift and sell product. Like you are encouraging conversation and participation. You are creating content that is there to be engaged with. But back to your point, like, if it doesn't feel right for you, don't create it because people will feel it from you. Like people can feel the brands that have got that like forced Gen Z tone of voice. It's like a Gen Z person did not write that. And we can all see that, like create content that is so pure to you. And like you said, like creating content that you love. And when you're in your creative flow state, that's always the best content. And it's also where you're going to find the most joy as well. So Mm. don't look at what other people are doing and don't try and create cookie cutter molds. Another tip that I found to be really helpful is if you do find a piece of content that you really love creating, turn it into a series. People love a series. So it could be like a weekly thing that you do every Friday. People start to expect it. And it's like, it's why people watch TV series and Netflix binge because they're they're looking for that next thing. Like they want to see it again. And storytelling is essentially what you're doing through a series, but when we watch and hear stories, oxytocin is released in our brain and that's the chemical that helps us become better empaths and build connections. So when you do work on storytelling as a business and you develop these series, you're, you're creating stronger bonds with your community as well. Mm. So yeah, I think do focus on looking at where you can amplify your content as well. Don't just create one piece and think, oh, that performed really well. Like how can you elongate that? And how can you even yeah. like, something I love that brands are doing at the moment is crowdsourcing content so there's a brand called Juno and they're a female investing app and they ask their community like what do you spend your money on each month or your salary and it will say like okay so and so 25 lives in Surrey earns xyz with a breakdown of spending and I'm like that's such a nice way to involve people in your content Mm. as well like real people from your community and spotlight them 
and that's a series that they create so yeah how can you create series that people can also engage with is another thing that I would say massively helps with content creation yeah definitely when you're creating a community for example the money diaries the money diaries are fascinating as a topic because we all have money and we all kind of want to optimize that to be as well organized and as well pre-planned as possible so there's kind of like a common theme Mm -hmm. there but if you're a niche business is there any tips that you have about growing when you're in a niche how to find your people I guess and how to offer them something when it's niche I think the niche are the better these days like Mm. the rise of subcultures is huge now so if you put talk on the end of anything (laughs) so much here like you can get like reptile talk and like I don't know (laughs) new mum talk like there's there's so many and I think that's the exciting thing about social media is that there's lots of data and um, reports out there to say that like young people just don't think pop culture exists because everyday consumers now have we dictate brands cultural currency which I think is really exciting because there's no such thing as pop culture like gender fluidity and just general like identity fluidity is the future because we can merge so many of our interests and build personas out of that but what that's birthed is groups of hyper niche people and Mm. hyper niche groups and interests so I think like your people are always out there it's just about scoping them out but I think it's really interesting recently spoke at a event in Berlin and a guy from Meta was doing a workshop there and he used to look after all of the like the key Facebook pages on Meta as a community strategist so he would work with like the biggest Facebook pages and help them develop and advance their communities and I was like what's the best way to understand your community especially if it's like really niche and you're having like lots of conversations he was like you could have all the social listening tools in the world the best way is to talk to them so I think if you've got a really niche community and you Mm -hmm. want to serve them have a conversation with them like get them on a zoom call or get them in a slack channel incentivize them somehow and just say like okay, what are you feeling about X at the moment? Like I do it all the time. I do it so regularly with my community. I'm like, I want to know what you're struggling with. I want to know where you need support. I want to know where your mind's at with this. And that's the thing, like data is great. And looking at your insights is great. Like what's performed and what hasn't, but you can't Mm -hmm. get an emotional sentiment with that. If you get people on the phone or if you get people on a call, you can actually gauge where their heads at and how they're feeling so I think my advice would always be if you can have a zoom call with like 10 of your core community and just ask them the questions that you want to know and that will that will give you so much inspiration but in terms of actually finding them I think it's about going to where they hang out so a lot of brands will say like oh we don't have a community on YouTube I'm like what it's the second biggest search engine in the world like (laughs) The, yeah 100% you like, do you just don't know how to find them <laughs> yeah so I think it's about like being honest about where your community is likely to be mm-hmm. join groups so there's Facebook groups there's LinkedIn groups that you can go and join and also get to events like go to let's say that you are in I don't know I just mentioned lizard talk like go and see like what amphibian <laughs> 
freaking conventions are on in the area like go and connect with people I think like we rely so much on the online space but actually there's so much power in offline spaces and networking Mm -hmm. and taking the chat outside of traditional apps and talking to people and I, I do think that's the difference like I said between an audience and community it's that intimate conversation piece not just with you but with each other Mm. so yeah sorry that was that was a lot of words but um I would say like get these intimate spaces and ask them personally and get them talking amongst themselves because that will give you yeah an abundance Mm. of inspiration to create amazing you've mentioned that you talk at some events and you've done like a TEDx and what was what was where you just were for Berlin what were you doing I was speaking at a youth summit um so it was for people all over Europe Gen Z applicants and they yeah they came along for three days they had lots of different workshops and then they were split into groups um depending on their interests and it was anything from human rights gender equality climate change and mental health and they had to come up with a concept or a digital campaign so I helped them craft their campaign and it was it was amazing like it was so inspiring they were so smart they had the best ideas so yeah I led a workshop for them and then helped them curate their their digital campaign which was so much fun but yeah it was it was really inspiring so how have you gotten to be this vessel of amazing information and you've got great relationships with big big brands so I feel like if anyone's listening and keen to be an authority do you have any tips on how they can become the authority and follow in your footsteps of being a woman like a knowledge a fountain of knowledge oh, thank you so much by the way that's really sweet um I'm, <laughs> I'm like taking the piss but you are because to get on to get on stage you kind of have to be an authority yeah. you know what the fuck you're talking about so yes <laughs> thank you I, I hope so um it helps that I genuinely love what I do and I know that's so cringe and so (laughs) cliche but I do absolutely love it so sharing sharing my learnings is is just something that I I actually love doing but I think Mm -hmm. in terms of sharing that with other people and again this is kind of cringe and cliche but don't be afraid to challenge what's already out there and don't be afraid to share your opinion even if it's slightly controversial like I when I first started for context like I had no presence online and I remember doing some research into like what other freelancers were doing to promote themselves and I remember creating my branding and it was super corporate and it was very like cookie cutter Mm. what was already out there and then I was like what the hell this is so misaligned to my personality and who I am and my branding is it's quite bold it's like 70s retro like Mm. very like not not corporate essentially but then I was like I don't want to work with corporates like one of my clients is Lazy Oaf and their branding is like super aligned with mine and I, I started to magnetize the right clients when I was just myself and the mm. way that I write is very conversational I use lots of slang and initially I was like oh god are people gonna hire me mm. but the right people hire me and I yeah. think that like don't be afraid Like I I see this a lot with like life coaches, for example, and people in the wellness space. There's almost like a language that everyone's adopted. And I'm like, stop, like, 
break that mold if you don't talk like that don't talk like that it's like all this therapy speak drop it like people aren't going to resonate because it feels like you're alienating people by doing the cookie cutter what's expected of you so I think really work out who am I a really good activity for that to get you started there's a few things actually like sometimes I say to people and new clients like what do you want to be known for and they have no idea and then I say okay work backwards what don't you want to be known for and yeah. then that will help you inform like who you are and what your legacy is quote unquote mm-hmm. but then something I really like to do is like if your brand or you were a, like a physical place what music would you be playing what would it look like would you serve food would it be buzzy would it be quiet would you be playing music like all of that kind of thing yeah to wow. really understand who you are but also like what you want to bring to the table. Do you want to create a sense of calm? Do you want to create a party? Do you want people to talk? What kind of conversations are they having? Like mm. deep meaningfuls or are they laughing? Like, and that will help you understand who you are. But then to get your name out there, like I pitched myself for so many things. Like I pitched myself to speak on podcasts. I pitched myself to press. I pitched myself for collaborations. I pitched myself to speak on panels. Do not, do not wait for stuff to come to you. Like, mm. if people don't know you exist, they don't know that you exist. Like, mm. and LinkedIn is a great space for that as well. Even if you're a creative, lots of people are like, oh, I don't know if I belong on LinkedIn. I'm like, all of my, I guess, opportunities that have raised my profile, like the speaking gigs and stuff, that, yeah. that comes from LinkedIn. Everybody so that think, don't, pays don't... me, everyone I've sent an invoice to cares about LinkedIn. <laughs> so I care about LinkedIn. Yes. <laughs> yes LinkedIn but I think like I a lot of creative... <laughs> yes thank you because so many people I speak to are like oh no I don't like it like it's not yeah. for me and I'm like trust me so much opportunity over there to yeah. establish yourself as a thought leader through the podcasts and the speaking gigs and stuff like that so I think don't sleep on LinkedIn but also don't be afraid to just get yourself a media kit with a couple slides PDFs about mm-hmm. you what you do what you can speak about what you're interested in what you've done before totally get busy send it to people like I pitch myself all the time don't wait for stuff to come to you mm, very well said do you have any lessons that you've learned in the past couple of years about self-branding and self-promotion that have helped inform your personal brand in growing personal brands I think a big thing for me and we've spoken about this briefly already but like I had such bad social anxiety when I was younger and I speak Mm. about it in my TEDx and public speaking was my biggest fear in both a personal and professional setting so like even in social environments the thought of networking terrified me Mm. and 75% of people struggle with glossophobia which is the fear of speaking up and that's both personally and professionally so speaking in front of groups of people so I'm mm-hmm. sure like everyone listening can think of a time where they maybe wanted to say something but they were too anxious or embarrassed or shy and I let that dictate my life for such a long time and I let that hold me back for such a long time and I was looking at people online who had these amazing personalities and was super confident. And I just remember thinking like, I'll never be like that. I'll never be able to do that. Mm. But what I realized is like, I was comparing myself to people who have been doing it for so long. And I remember going to a networking event, had an awful experience, left, was like, I'm never going back. And I was setting myself really unattainable goals. And I think something, again, I, I break this down in the TEDx, but 
the micro shifts and the micro wins are the things that are going to grow your confidence when you're growing your personal brand. So Mm. instead of saying, okay, I'm going to pitch myself to speak on a panel event in front of 200 people in the next six months, start really small, like say to yourself, I'm going to pitch myself to speak on five podcasts this week. And that will get you comfortable talking and that will get you comfortable speaking about your expertise. And then once you feel comfortable doing that, maybe go to a networking event with a friend. And once you feel Mm. comfortable with that, go to the event on your own. And once you feel comfortable with that, just keep adding layers to the things that scare you. And I wish I'd learned that sooner because there was about a year and a half where I didn't put myself out there at all in my early career because I just felt too anxious and too shy and like I didn't bring anything Mm. to the table if I'm being completely honest and over time by just allowing myself to do things at my own pace which like again sounds like really cliche but not putting pressure on myself to do the really big things straight away and achieve the accolades I think start small and be really realistic. Like you, you raised a really good point earlier around like, don't put it in your strategy if it's not right for you. That Mm. comes to growing your personal brand as well. Like if you don't feel comfortable doing certain things, don't feel you have to because everyone else is. Like I have friends who have Substack newsletters that generate a phenomenal amount of business, but they're not Mm. creating TikTok videos. It's just their Mm. writing. So (laughs) get clear on on work, not just their writing, sorry, but it's as in like, it's their writing. They're not, they're not being super present and like posting pictures and videos all the time, which I think people think you need for a personal brand. It's literally them sharing their thoughts, which is what they're good at and what they love. So I think be really clear on where your strengths lie as well. And yeah, I wish I'd known that sooner. I found that I procrastinate on the things that are not actually right for me in terms of like, okay, I've got to, I've got to do a cooking video this week for, because I think that will perform or like whatever, because I saw let's like media wellness resets, but like all that shit's coming up, but like, I'm not that person. So then I think, okay, I'm going to do it because I'm in my era that I'm a boop. And then you're like, cool. But then I just don't fucking do it because I'm like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And it's not that it's too much of a stretch for me. It's that that's not me. So I think identifying what is you and then what you're – I loved what you said before about what you don't want to be versus what you do want to look like versus what you don't want to look like. Adding that piece in there for personal brand as well and then figuring that out and then just doing baby steps. I think also you said a funnel before when I was going through – um, a online video course at the moment that I'm building for TikTok creation, I've sort of stopped thinking of it a fun, as a funnel and thinking of it as like a hopscotch. And then when they get to the mm. double, you know how on hopscotch you go one, two, three, double, one, double, one, yeah, one. Yeah, that's really nice. What I've kind of built it in my brain is I'm like, okay, freebie, freebie, freebie for the first three. Double is when they pay for something. Freebie is when they do something else. Double is when they pay for something and then they're offboarding. Boop, boop, boop and yeah. I'm like okay because that's really nice. fun and it has like energy to it and I think that's an example of me seeing something the way that somebody else is doing it a funnel makes me feel corporate and like it's just so sterile isn't it I'm like mm. ew a funnel like yeah literally just really, yeah like, I just visualize like some sketchy lab and I'm like, no, yeah, like a weird that's not whiteboard. Yeah, that's like, yeah, oh, and like, yeah, coats, <laughs> like lab coats. I'm like, no, that for that just was really sterile. Whereas exactly, yeah. like, a hopscotch is a journey, and also it's fun and it's energetic, and that's what we should all be as like community builders 
it should be about energy and making people feel like they're participating in something and moving forward and progressing so yeah I think that's a really nice analogy it's way more fun and I've also been talking to a friend of mine who just moved back from New York he was in the startup space and we were talking about finance and he's like well how much have you got in your war chest and I was like what the fuck's a war chest he's like oh it's sorry it's an American it's like a startup American terminology of how much you've just how much cash you have on hand at all times for rainy days or a pandemic or something so that and he was using words like deploy out money deploy out all this stuff and I was like this language is really like interesting for him to use it but then when I started using it with a with Matt my cinematographer on I explained it to him on this breast cancer doco he loved it and he was like fuck I've got a, he just did a two-month um feature film in India so he like put all of his savings into that and the, every like I reckon about eight times on this two-day trip he's like fuck I've got to build up my war chest and that language just like lit him up like he saw it it wasn't like savings do you have this he was like war chest let's go like and he just took that like and it was just a fit like it was a real he it viscerally he came to life thinking about it and then yeah. when I was explaining the hopscotch then you and I were both like do 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 and like smiling about it because you think of a fun customer journey and I think changing scale yeah. language and like pick literally words and like people are like mood board to-do list but instead of do, even if you are procrastinating around the harder tasks in community building and all that kind of stuff or the like more menial shit you can be inspired by just changing language. It's so interesting. Yeah, totally. I think it reframes it reframes your mindset towards things as well. Like, have you heard of the eat the frog analogy? I have, but I've forgotten what it is. What is the frog? So it's like eat the frog. It's like, I think there's, it's come to a book. <laughs> is this and reptile talk? <laughs> This is lizard talk, yeah? No. Um, But it's the idea that, like, (laughs) eat the frog is, like, no one wants to eat a frog, right? No one wants to do that. So it's the concept of eat the frog is do the thing that you put off first and then go do the good stuff. So, like, when you've got your to-do list, don't just go through the stuff that's going to be easy and then keep Mm. putting off the thing that you're delaying, like eat the fucking frog and then get on with the rest of it. And that phrase sticks in my mind so much every day. I'm like, just eat the frog, eat the frog. And in the morning I'm like, (laughs) eat it. And it's done, but it's so true. Isn't it? Like all these like weird analogies and words that you can use just to like reframe your mindset towards things that we Mm. so often put off but I think that's the thing like the word funnel like you've just agreed like to me that feels so flat and Mm. also very transactional whereas Mm. community building is not absolutely it's it's a journey man like yeah (laughs) it's it's so much about give 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 yeah and I think people forget that it's like what can I give them and then they go down the funnel until you've hooked them in it's like no they're not drug addicts stop (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly that. Like they're just humans. <laughs> want to engage they with your brand? <laughs> yeah, they just feel part so... of something. Like, when is the book coming out? How can people find you? The book is called "Community Is Your Currency," written by me, Daisy Morris, and you can buy on Amazon, um, Waterstones, WH Smith, and Foils if you are based in the UK. Yes. And there will be an audio version as well. So. 
yeah I'd be so grateful if you do check it out and if you are you know wanting to build something meaningful and purposeful that stands out and yeah just it's it for me that's the most important thing is like creating something Mm. that actually matters and gets people talking to each other and feeling part of something so yeah it's available on amazon i'm also on instagram that's where i'm most active at the underscore self underscore hood and as i've suggested linkedin if you're on linkedin i'm daisy (laughs) morris so would love love to connect on linkedin need to practice what i preach but um yeah yeah that's where you can the main places you can find me i also have a newsletter by weekly newsletter called what the fact as in faq is happening Amazing. on social media where i share tips and tricks and just fun stuff i've been seeing updates in the space yes. and personal musings so yeah you can also join that as well but yeah it's been so fun thank you so much for having me I hope you guys loved this episode. Daisy and I honestly could have chatted for hours. I'm sorry if it felt like we were chewing each other's ears off. If you guys loved this episode, please share it with a friend. Process the podcast is still newish. We need all the love that we can get. I'm so excited to bring you international guests. We're getting a lot of momentum with the international guests now. And if you loved it, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts so that the algorithm will work its way with good reviews to put the podcast in front of other people that would love it. So I would love it if you guys took a mini and left a review it would mean the world to me and I also see them all which just melts me seeing that people love it send me a dm if you want to chat about anything to do with community follow daisy her books coming out as we discussed so excited for that and I'll see you next Sunday